Awa awa abu chwele ngile kancha Awa awa kote sinsu wini sanamsha Awa awa sibona kwenze kakancha Awa awa amandu basane ayaso She's a rich girl, she don't try to hide it Diamonds on the soles of her shoes He's a poor boy, empty as a pocket Empty as a pocket with nothing to lose Sing ta-na-na, ta-na-na-na She got diamonds on the soles of her shoes Ta-na-na, ta-na-na She got diamonds on the soles of her shoes Welcome, this is Michael Volkoff and this is episode 240 of Corruption, Chronic Compliance. Our episode today is a discussion of the role of the CCO in an effective compliance program. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me today from sunny and hot Sicily. Um, it's, uh, it's a great place to spend time, and uh, like everywhere else in the world, it's pretty uh, hot here. But uh, still working from here, enjoying it, and uh, glad to return uh, for another podcast. And today we're going to talk about uh, one of my favorite issues, which is the Chief Compliance Officer and the role of the Chief Compliance Officer. And uh, before we get started, let's uh, hear from our sponsor, uh, Diligent. Diligent is the time-tested, award-winning provider of automated governance, risk, and compliance solutions. For over 20 years, Diligent has helped boards and C-suites to design and implement effective governance practices through its market-leading board application. Diligent has now expanded its offerings to include risk, compliance, and audit solutions. Building on these new and exciting capabilities, Diligent now offers the critical capability to connect boards, C-suite, risk, compliance, and audit teams to promote purpose-driven leadership. Building on this capability, Diligent provides a full suite of complementary services including risk management, ethics and compliance, environmental, social, and governance, and proactive auditing strategies and practices. Diligent solutions enable companies to implement robust corporate governance to mitigate and manage risk, create a culture of ethics and compliance, ensure that company controls are audit-ready, and implement tailored and responsive ESG solutions. If interested in exploring Diligent's unique complement of solutions, please reach out to Diligent at its website, www.diligent.com. Well, my favorite topic is... uh... Chief Compliance Officer, the role of the Chief Compliance Officer, and I've been a strong advocate, obviously, for years uh, on uh, empowering an independent uh, and capable uh, Chief Compliance Officer. And uh, I use the shorthand, as you all know, of Chief Compliance Officer to include Chief Ethics and Compliance Officer, Uh, ethical culture being probably the Uh, most important task of a CCO, unless there's a separate chief ethics officer or ethics department. Anyway, um, so I wanted to turn to this not because I have any sort of cause for alarm about the uh, CCOs and where they stand in today's corporate governance world, but it's easy to lose focus in the sea of so-called hot issues. ESG, diversity, climate change, threats to democracy, cybersecurity, data privacy, uh, you know, all of which are important issues uh, and focus uh, for organizations, but 
all of these issues intersect or inter interdependent and uh, should be addressed through what I call organizational commitment. But I want to take a step back and return to really the proper role of the CCOs, how we assess the role, what are the requirements, uh, basic requirements, lessons learned, and sort of ways forward to meet these fast-changing uh, times. CCOs stand, they can get overwhelmed by all of the tasks that are assigned or responsibilities assigned to them, but they have to, in one important respect, they always have to uh, maintain focus, and they've got to uh, maintain focus in sort of ensuring that they have the full support and capabilities that they need to carry out their job. Um, and as I mentioned early, CCOs are the stewards of a corporation's ethical culture. Uh, I would argue uh, that the ability of, any, of a company to meet any of the issues I've mentioned or any of the big overarching issues in the future uh, requires a company to maintain a solid foundation of an ethical culture uh, and the CCO is the important sort of steward or overseer uh, of that and has an important sort of set of roles and a role and responsibilities. And uh, so, you know, compliance has evolved, I think, in many respects, but certainly in terms of culture, uh, in the role in their sort of primary role in the management, embedding, uh, of uh, corporate culture. So you can always tell where an organization stands in all of these issues and particularly with regard to compliance by the importance it places on ethics and compliance and the CCO's specific role. If the CCO is buried within the organizational chart, you know that ethics and compliance are mere words and not much more. On the other hand, when you observe a robust ethics and compliance function with adequate resources, you will find that the organization is probably addressing significant issues and attempting to face future challenges with a robust commitment. Ethics and compliance does not succeed nor exist in just a silo or in its own world. By definition, the success of the program and even the organization itself occurs when important challenges are embedded in every corner of a corporation organization uh, in accordance with specific commitments for each functions. We all know that how important ethics and compliance is to the ultimate success of the business. Companies that properly attend to their culture inevitably gain advantages in the marketplace through productivity, commitment, and competitive excellence. One goes hand in hand with the other. A robust ethics and compliance function reflects a leadership team and employees that are performing and have the opportunity to perform at close to optimal levels. Employee morale and productivity are high in corporate organizations that commit to embedding, promoting, and monitoring its corporate culture of ethics and compliance. While these points have become fairly understood and often communicated, the real test for any company is not the ability to state these principles, but to commit to ethical principles in practice. And it can't waver in the face of countervailing business considerations or a perhaps outdated, limited view that uh, ethics and compliance is a, a cost center and that's about it. 
Um, the people and the organizations and the leaders that understand that ethics and compliance has a direct impact on um, an organization's financial sustainability will ultimately succeed in a, in a greater, in a much greater sense uh, than they would be able to had they not had an ethical culture. So there are lots of sources for compliance guidance. Prosecutors have put out uh, guidance, DOJ obviously, regulators, compliance organizations, and many others have set uh, out important and valuable guidance and all of this is helpful and has advanced the cause of corporate compliance. Uh, and the importance of corporate ethics and compliance has steadily grown. And it's important to remind each other, though, what are the goals of ethics and compliance programs? And we inevitably respond with the, you know, uh, the U.S. sentencing guidelines uh, and the prevention and detection of future violations of the law regulations, corporate policies, and internal controls. That's fantastic. But compliance profession has met and will always continue to meet that challenge. Uh, but a culture of ethics and compliance, I would argue, is a little bit more. It includes not only the detection and prevention of violations, but it extends to promoting a company's business mission, a purpose, a set of values, and ultimately to the company's definition of success. Uh, you know, there are disagreements among practitioners, professionals, and government officials as to the definition of success, meaning is it the maximization of shareholder value, satisfaction of stakeholder interests, and even societal interests of importance. And within this definitional disagreement, and I'm not going to try to resolve it, there can be no question that a company with a strong ethical culture and corporate mission will perform optimally because of employee engagement, productivity, and commitment. So uh, and a, a vibrant ethics and compliance function is an important, if not critical, function for the companies that establish a corporate culture of ethics and compliance. And some would say we're looking at a chicken and the egg issue. Does ethics and compliance create or contribute to a strong corporate culture, or, there, or does ethics and compliance reflect a company's corporate culture? In my view, one cannot exist without the other, and we don't need to resolve the chicken and the egg issue. They either grow together or they sink together like any other interdependent function. And it's easy to spot those companies that have the robust ethics and compliance function and those that do not. And I recently wrote about the importance of acknowledging uh, the role of ethics and compliance by ensuring that CCOs sit in the C-suite, maintain an appropriate title, maintain line of sight across the organization and are provided with the responsibility and resources needed to execute an effective ethics and compliance program. So, so, how, do we, uh, so how do we look at uh, what an effective CCO needs and how do we assess them and where they stand within an organization? Um, and there's been lots of valuable guidance, like I've said, and discussions relating to CCOs. Where, where should they be structurally? What kind of principles and, and operational practices do they need to follow? And when it comes to this, there are no cutting corners, no hedging, no compromises. And I always uh, go back to the Justice Department's evaluation of corporate compliance programs. 
Uh, it's a valuable tool, uh, along with the FCPA uh, guidance as well. But the, the DOJ's Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Program, basic programs, recognizes the fact that corporate compliance programs can be designed properly, but that in practice, well-designed programs may operate ineffectively because of lax implementation or lack of resources. And this is often described by prosecutors and professionals with the moniker of a paper compliance program. It is a program that appears well-designed, but in practice suffers from ineffective implementation. And DOJ's expectations for effective ethics and compliance programs extends to the review, revision, analysis, audit, and documentation of the company's compliance program. And DOJ has emphasized that effective compliance programs ensure that employees are adequately informed about the compliance program and are convinced of the corporation's commitment to it. So in focusing on the role of the CCO, DOJ has specifically identified three important inquiries whether the CCO has sufficient seniority in the organization, whether the CCO has sufficient autonomy from management and the board, and whether the CCO compliance function has sufficient resources, namely staff, uh, to effectively undertake the requisite uh, auditing, documentation, and analysis of the compliance program. These inquiries are often referred to in a shorthand. It's uh, sort of the requisite three words that I like to use, independence, authority, and resources. And as DOJ stated, the bottom line is whether compliance personnel are empowered within the company. And so DOJ explains how these requirements should translate in uh, the corporate operations and governance framework. While DOJ affords flexibility to companies to structure the compliance function in the context of their overall organization, companies have to adhere to these basic principles. First, DOJ has noted that CCOs have to possess the authority and independence to execute their responsibility. CCOs have to maintain st sufficient strategic importance in the organization equivalent to or no less than other comparable strategic functions. In making such a comparison, DOJ has specifically and noted important factors such as, quote, stature, compensation levels, rank, title, reporting line, resources, and access to key decision makers, close quote. Second, with respect to independence and autonomy, CCOs have to maintain direct access to the board to ensure that the board is adequately informed as to the company's ethics and compliance program. The board itself has to establish an information and reporting system reasonably designed to provide management and directors with timely and adequate information to allow them to reach informed decision, decisions relating to the company's compliance with the law and its policies. DOJ identified important criteria under this issue for determining the existence of autonomy. Direct reporting lines to the board or subcommittee thereof. Frequency of meetings with directors at least quarterly. Presence of senior management at these meetings, whether or not they get, uh, CCOs get a time for an ex parte presentation or discussion and steps taken by company to ensure the independence of the compliance and control personnel.
Third, and I would argue of great relevance right now, is the issue of resources. And DOJ has noted that companies have to devote adequate resources to compliance, including sufficient personnel who have the requisite expertise and are compensated appropriately in order to understand and identify transactions and activities that pose a potential risk. Most importantly, DOJ has emphasized that companies have to maintain sufficient staffing for compliance personnel to execute the required functions needed to effectively audit, document, analyze, and act on results of compliance program performance. And DOJ warned that it intended to, to examine situations where CCOs requested additional resources and have been denied and the reasons for such a denial. Under the resources category, uh, it's important to emphasize that DOJ will look closely at how much resources in terms of personnel, technology, and other capabilities uh, that address as well data analytics, artificial intelligence, and the use of technology to leverage personnel uh, to be even great to provide even greater levels of compliance and ethical uh, services that are needed uh, within the organization. So, this broad definitional shorthand of independence, authority, and resources has a lot uh, underneath that umbrella, and it's a perfect framework, though, within which to analyze uh, your company's ethics and compliance program. And I would expect that many companies know and understand whether or not their compliance programs can meet these tests. If an honest and objective test is applied, I'm not sure that many companies will pass because most boards and senior managers uh, have embraced compliance but not really carried through with the requirements. All too often I hear the same mantra, which is we're committed to compliance. We know that it's important to do the right thing. But it's much more than that. It's exactly uh, a failure. Uh, to me, that, that sort of attitude reflects a failure to understand the actual importance of ethics and compliance programs, how they operate, and the importance uh, of ethics and compliance to the overall business and financial success of compliance programs. And uh, we need to sort of return to these principles and basically um, and basically make sure that uh, our compliance function is operating within the parameters outlined by DOJ. Uh, I've often stated there's no one right way here, but there are certain requirements that need to be met, and so how you meet those requirements is really uh, critical. So, just a summary for you, let's, let's return to independence, autonomy, and resources, uh, and, if, and bring forward those situations where we're not meeting that uh, requirement and to make sure we can get to the, the right result here, because ultimately, uh, companies' culture and the success uh, will play out uh, in one way if there's an effective ethics and compliance program, and another way if there isn't. Okay, well, thanks, everybody. Good to return. We'll be back soon. Uh, enjoy yourselves. Uh, arrivederci from uh, Sicily, and all the best to everybody. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. 
The Volkov Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. You can learn more about the legal and compliance services we offer at our website, www.volkovlaw.com. You can also follow our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address, mvolkov at volkovlaw.com. People say she's crazy, she got diamonds on the soles of her shoes. Well, that's one way to lose these walking blues. Diamonds on the soles of your shoes. She was physically forgotten, but then she slipped into my pocket with my car keys. She said, you've taken me for granted because I please you. Wearing these diamonds. And I could say, ooh, As if everybody knows what I'm talking about. As if everybody here would know exactly what I was talking about I'm talking about diamonds on the soles of the shoes Changes clothes and he puts on aftershave to compensate for his ordinary shoes. And she said, Honey, take me dancing, but they ended up by sleeping in a doorway by the bodegas and the lights on Upper Broadway, wearing diamonds on the soles of their shoes. And I could say, Everybody you would know what I was talking about I mean everybody you would know exactly what I was talking about I'm talking about Diamonds on the soles of my shoes.